Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. Today we're going to be going through trade deadlines and breaking down all the trades that were and how they're going to affect teams going down the stretch and into the playoffs. Later in the show, special guest Jeff Port joins us. So primarily the Kings is the NHL editor for CalSportsNews.com. Covers the Kings extensively. He's been credentialed for the Stanley Cup Finals and All Star Games and uh, all around great guy, good friend of the show, and we're going to be talking to him a little bit later on. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today on Blog Talk Radio. We always appreciate everybody tuning in. You can find our shows on iTunes, of course, SoundCloud at Vegas Hockey Podcast, over at Grandstand Sports Net and Russ Cohen Sportsology page. Make sure you click one of the above. Go over there and subscribe it, like it. Leave us some feedback. We always appreciate that. Let's dive right into it. Chris, good day to you, sir. Did you, sir? So we we had a big surprise, uh, to say the least, uh, last last uh, Monday. I, I was very borderline shocked that a Vegas were to do such a big trade, and b you know trading for Thomas Tatar. We spoke briefly that night, and uh, not a fan of this move. And what I mean by that is um, good player, you know. Uh, 20, nothing against him, 27 years of age, good age, signed for the next three years, at five and a quarter, cap hit, all good. He's a guy who's going to get you, you know, 20 to 25 goals. He's on that pace this year, you know, 40 to 45 points. Um, right now a solid uh, score, uh, and he does give them more depth, although they have plenty of it, but I just didn't understand how they needed to make this move, and uh, you know, I don't like the fact that the, the draft picks, uh, you know, giving up three uh, really good draft picks for him. Now, I understand the three picks are over four years. I understand that in 2019, where they're giving up their second-round pick, uh, they have a whole uh, bushel of picks coming that year. I understand the third-round pick is not until from four years from now. Uh, I get all that, uh, but I, I don't like giving up the first round pick even though uh, I know uh, the Knights first round pick is going to be at the very end of the first round as we've talked about how the NHL um, does the uh, seeding if you will the draft seeding so they're gonna, that pick's going to be between 24 and 27 but I do know this I know uh, unless George McPhee trades someone of significance uh, before the draft and that's what it would take you know, the Knights only have one pick in the first 93 selections in the upcoming draft. And for a second-year franchise, I, I don't like that at all. So um, I'm, I, I, am, uh, I am really struggling with this trade from understanding it. Um, again, it does make them better. It, it, it also sends out signals to me that George McPhee does not feel he's going to sign both David Perron and James Neal. I think this was a part of that. That's just me looking right. at the tea leaves. Um, 
I would say, uh, you know, one of them, I would think one of them will be back, but who knows? You you even broke a point. Maybe neither one of them will be back, and that's why uh, he, he Entirely possible. So that, that, yeah, so that's where I kind of stand. Like I said, watch the tar, you know, go on, uh, win, win the, um, uh, win the, win the, what was, what's, uh, I always forget these awards. The Con Spice. What's the award? Con Spice in the playoffs. <laughs> so, right. Make me look like an idiot. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I stand with the deal. You know, I, I was right there with you when, when the, the track first went down. They had reason and that physical presence, and he, he was, uh, got eight minutes on the ice last night, even though the Knights are playing without six starters right now due to injury. So, I, you know, I was right there with you, and the more I looked at it, the more I'm okay with it. Um, you do give up the first, but if you know if you draft someone, you know, 24th to 28th overall or whatever it is, you hope they turn into a Thomas Tatar, right? Um, and that that player could still be two or three years away, and then the second round pick is is. Like you said, they have plenty of plenty of picks in the 2019 draft, so that's that you, they may not see that player until the till the 21st or 2021, and then I mean the third round pick in 2021 that's a throwaway. I mean whatever with that. So it comes down to you traded a first and a second for a guy with three years on his contract. He's 27 years of age, like you said. Um, he's the highest paid player on the team other than Marc-Andre Fleury right now at 5.3. So he fits in to what they're doing. If you look and they signed Marsha show for five years, five mil, I believe was the deal he got. Um, so you're, what you're doing, you're doing the $5 million thing with, with some of these guys and he slots right into that. And if you get Carlson for um, around five million for five six years, then then you've got you've got your core. And if if either you know that Neil or Perron or both won't be back, Tatar's a guy that can move up in the lineup. He's not going to be a third liner if, if there's a spot. Like last night, he played opposite Perron for a while. Um, he was on a few different lines, got power play time. So when you when you factor in the term and the salary cap, which is, is reasonable for a 20-goal, 20 25-goal guy, um, and the injuries that they have right now with six players out, um, you know, the depth is tested. Ottawa took it to them last night. We, they couldn't be contained, and, and Knights lose a close one, 5-4, so... You know, at first I didn't see the reason you're second overall in scoring, your seventh on the power play didn't appear to be a weakness. But when you're going into the playoffs, you need all the all the depth you can get, even with expanded rosters and what have you. Um, I'm I'm a, I must say I'm okay with it now. I, I you know listening listening to some of the social media and some radio talk shows here in town. Um, I kind of got swayed over from why did we do that? You're still trying to build this kind of thinking to, you know, the, the, you know, for me, Chris, the, the three year term at a, at the 5.3, 
you're not just getting a rental player. Um, you're getting this guy until all three of those draft picks have been spent by Detroit. So that part of it to me makes me say, okay, this guy, and, and you know what? He might in this system with Jar Gallant, he might, you know, it's really conceivable to think that he can bump up five, seven goals a year and become a 30 goal scorer. And then he's a real bargain at 5.3. You know what I mean? So at first I didn't like that, but I, I've come to say, okay. Um, the other, the other, the other piece that um, is important is that you didn't lose any roster players and you didn't lose any prospects. So you kept the room intact. Um, you gave up a first that's, you know, and a second, but they had, they had nine extra picks overall in the next two years. They still have seven extra picks overall in the next two years. So a lot of them in this year's draft, like you said, they have one pick in the first 93. So, I mean, draft day, obviously, George is going to be looking to package some of those picks and maybe the rights to Anil if it's decided he's not going to come back, uh, package a couple of those up and maybe pick up a second and move back up in the draft. That's certainly something that, that I see happening. So I'm not going to I'm not gonna hate on it. I, I think he'll be a good piece to have going forward. Um, the the other interesting uh, thing just, that the Knights were doing was I just feel, I, with McKenzie uh, and Dreger reporting uh, that they were in on Carlson and really close to a deal until the last minutes towards the deadline. Um, so that was interesting to, to hear. Um, but go, go ahead with your point. I want to talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I just – Go ahead. I think if this is about – a lot of this is about, you know, who knows what happens with Neil and Perron, and maybe they both wind up walking. I just think there would have been a lot of – there's a lot of other options. So there's options in free agency. There's options in a trade. Um, I'm not looking to rush kids. I got to tell you, I really don't like a second-year franchise. And I know they had a lot of picks last year. But I really don't like a second-year franchise having one pick in the first 93. I mean, that's and that's uh, that's not the way I would go. And I, like I said, I think the Tars. Well, let's wait and see if he does if if he does get to move up in the draft and and work a little work a little magic on uh, on drafting, move back up. Yeah, you gonna the thing is, round, high you gotta, you gotta, and, uh, let's wait. And you're see gonna have that. to trade some. You're gonna to have to trade somebody good off your roster to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just simply, well, let's trade this role player, uh, you know, and get in the second round. You're gonna to have to trade. Uh, you know, now, you know, the price of draft picks has always had a premium. Uh, once the now that the trade deadline's over and the next trading period, you know, is basically when the season's over and we head into the draft and all that, you know, it goes up yep, exponentially. For sure. So it's it's very it's it's. Uh, it's not at a cheap price, but uh, anyway, we got a lot to get to here. So, uh, uh, you know, so let's dive into the, the, the lightning. Uh, I said, I think a month or two ago that I could see them making a big push that, that everything is kind of there for them. And I, they did, they made a huge trade with the Rangers and I got to be honest with you. I think they, you know, they gave up some, some good, good value here. But it didn't kill them. Um, you, you know, they get Brian McDonough, who's bare minimum a fantastic second-pairing defenseman. They get J.T. Miller, who's at bare minimum a you know fantastic secondary scorer. He can play center. He can play wing. He's probably more of a natural winger. Um, they do give up Nam. I'm going to butcher his name. Nam Stukinov, 
who's having a really excellent year, who was going to be or is going to be a restricted free agent after the year, and given the Lightning's cap, uh, Stevie Y uh, uh, probably uh, that, that probably came into his thinking. Um, you know, they gave up two good prospects in this deal. I don't want to beat up on the kids, but if you we've talked about Craig Button's list a couple weeks ago, he came out with a new top 50 list. He had three Tampa Bay Lightning players on it, all ranked between 40 and 50. None of those kids were in this trade. So I'm not trying to poo-poo on the kids that they got. They they could wind up, and, uh, and you know, just because Greg Button's list is so forth, maybe other people have these. But I'm just I'm just kind of looking at that, you know, trying to look in objectively to the information. And they did get a first-round pick uh, this year, but, again, it's going to be at the end of the first round. Again, I don't want to poo-poo it because I was just saying how much I didn't like the Knights giving up a first-round pick. But, you know, uh, but, again, they didn't get a rental here. I mean, uh, Miller's got years of control ahead of him. He's a restricted free agent as well after the year. And McDonough signed through next year at just a 4.7 cap hit, and then he's a UFA. So, uh, you know, usually to make a big deal like this to go for it, you, you really uh, – a team will mortgage their future or give up a tremendous amount of future. Um, I, I think they, they traded some of their future, but I, I don't think they mortgaged it by any stretch of the imagination – um, uh, to be honest with you, with the pieces that they got back, if this was just for McDonough and a throw-in, I think it's debatable. But, you know, J.T. Miller has uh, almost as many points, I think, as Sam Stinkoff. So he's not that far off from what he has. So, yeah, no, thank you, sir. So uh, I, I don't know how <laughs> you feel about the deal. <laughs> well, the two, of the, the two kids they, they traded, um, they may not have been in Button's top 50, but I saw a rating where of all the prospects that moved in the 72 hours prior to the deadline, they were two of the uh, top seven of of prospects that moved, changed, changed sides. So the Rangers didn't get, you know, the prospects. They, they, they looked to be in the NHL next year or the year after. They did get their draft picks that they were looking for. Um, so... I guess if the, you know, obviously the Rangers decided to go through this little rebuild here. They've got some uh, a good forward prospect, a good two prospect, and a first and a second. <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, I, I like I like the deal they pick up Minuskov. Um, he's still got upside. He, he's got some really, you know, silky mitts, if you will. He's he's got skills. He's he's not, you know, he's he's more than a serviceable forward. Um, oh yeah, as, and to be fair, as far as the, uh, the, as far the, as the, the Rangers have had a they've had an issue at center for a while. They've been looking to to, to get centers sure. for a while. So, um, to be fair, so uh, yeah, I think he's a good player. View, I but, think uh, the Rangers did good. I mean, you could reunite McDonough and Girardi and and their second pair cut McDonough's minutes down. Um, from I think he's around twenty four minutes a game down to maybe nineteen twenty minutes a game. And you've got a, one of the best second-pair defenses in the league, right? Um, we all know about Tampa's offensive firepower. Um, and then they pick up J.T. Miller, who's more than a serviceable guy at forward, so he'll slot in. And, you know, I like to deal for both teams. I think the Rangers got enough. And, you know, depending on how the picks obviously shake out. But um, I think I think Tampa... You know, 
I'll say this. They're probably yeah, I don't, I, I, and, and we'll do our playoff preview. But I think right now I got to say Tampa just solidified themselves as favorites in the East to me. I don't know if the Rangers if got enough. Play. I think time will tell. Time will tell on that. I mean, to me, with this kind of deal, the fact that they gave up both Miller, both McDonough, and Tampa has – it's not like they only have control of them for the rest of this year. And they weren't able – and, you know, like we talked about, all, not everyone's first-round picks are the same. So, um, you know, for instance, like uh, – I hate to compare it to the Islanders, but you know, when the Islanders got a first-round pick for Travis Hamanick, you know, where that pick – could wind up versus where this pick is going to wind up. Those are two sets of uh, encyclopedias. And to me, they needed to get one of those top three uh, lightning prospects. Uh, what, it, what this deal said to me was the Rangers were trading McDonough. I mean, they, they probably felt their best foot forward was to move them. They weren't going to resign them, and they probably – came to the conclusion, which I can't say I blame them on this conclusion, of what, what you know, the best deal we're going to get from him is now. Not going to be in the off season, even though there's going to be a lot more teams, because he's only going to have one year left on his deal. We're not, you know, it's just not going to happen. So that's what kind of, kind of jumped out at me, and I just kind of piggyback that, you know, the Rangers, you know, who would have thunk it? I know you weren't high on them going to the year, you didn't pick them for the playoffs, but you know, the, the sentence of, you know, the term uh, biggest seller at the NHL deadline and the New York Rangers uh, usually don't go together. And, you know, they traded Rick Nash to Boston. They traded Michael Grabner to New Jersey, which you talked about last week. It seems like they did well right. for Nash. Again, they got a first-round pick. Uh, and he's he's a rental. He's a pure rental. Uh, they got a first-round pick. They got a pretty sure. good uh, young young defenseman, it seems, like kind of a stay-at-home guy, but a guy who, who could could develop into being a second-pairing uh, defenseman. And they got Ryan Spooner in the deal. Now, they did take back Matt Bolesky yeah. in the deal, who, who signed for two more years uh, at 3.85 per. So they did take a bad contract for the next couple of years, a bad cap hit, I should say. The contract's really meaningless to the Rangers, but a bad cap hit, which, which you know, uh, is helped them get more, to say the least, uh, in that deal. But it also tells me that, uh, not that they're not going to try, but it, it tells me that they know it's going to take at least a couple of years to, to do what they want to do, to get back to being, you know, a very competitive team. Um, so, yeah, I, like I said, it was and I, I, even though he wasn't traded, uh, you know, Matt Zuccarello, the veteran, uh, uh, he'll probably get moved in the offseason, be my guess. So um, they're looking to get younger, and 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 uh, but very strange to have the Rangers as the number one seller in the NHL at the trade deadline. Right, right. When you look at both deals together, though, you look you, for for Nash, McDonough, and Miller. They pick up two firsts, a second. Uh, uh, a good, a good center in Nemeskov, good forward in Spooner. You pick up Bolesky, and I don't think Bolesky's done. I think he has more in him, so I'm sure they'll give him a shot. Um, oh, but yeah. if not, yep. yeah, you got a bad contract. You pick up a defense prospect in Lindgren, the, the defense prospect from Tampa, and another forward prospect who's rated pretty high. 
Um, so that I and mean, they got a the defense, and they got another defense prospect from the Devils, and another for for the Grabner deal, right? So um, yeah, yeah, I, they did good. I, I you know if they went into that deadline, everybody knew they were sellers, and you know sometimes when you put it out there that you're a seller, uh, people try and drive it down because they know what you're doing and and they they could play hardball. But you know credit to the Rangers, I think. You know, obviously, they'll have three first-round picks. They have their own pick and two other first-round picks. Um, you can mortgage those. You could you could put them on the block and get it pick up another player. You could uh, package them together and move up to somebody else's, you know, fifteenth or higher. Yeah, that's, uh, I would got, I would go more options, with that. You know? Yeah, I would go more with that. To um, me, to me, the kind of you know, pack everyone out and then say, oh, okay, let's now go, you know, let's sell and buy. I, like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, you know, unless it's like a real special player. You can, player who, you can call up you're teams gonna... like maybe Vancouver or Buffalo or Arizona who really need a lot of help in the pipeline and, and just having an extra first-round pick and maybe move one of the defensive prospects that you have to move up to, a, you know, whatever, seventh, eighth, ninth overall pick and, and target one play. Um that, those kind of deals are, are there to be had, you know? So they, I think they did good for what they wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, they're going to have to do well with those picks, but from an ass, they acquired a lot of assets, and we've talked about it. The Sharks finally got uh, a scoring forward, um, uh, and I, I will give, well, many kudos to, to Buffalo, the new GM. He did get a first-round pick. For him, he's going to have to wait to 2019. But you know what? Um, I think it's it's. I think you have to wait the extra year to get the right value. I think that's better um, than one up settling on a couple third round picks or a couple B level prospects. So uh, you know, Evander King right, right. going to the Sharks, I think is is a good pickup for San Jose. And you know, who knows? Who knows where that first round pick uh, will be? Uh, uh, that year, so uh, I mean, they need scoring. Uh, I think, I think if they can get enough scoring, I've said this for a while now. Uh, they're kind of like my sleeper team in the West. Yeah, in terms of the players, uh, you know, we, we both knew that the Sabers were going to have to come down off their initial asking price, um, especially with a player coming along with that much baggage. They weren't going to get as, as much as they wanted to, but still. Um, you defer. You get the first, but you defer a year. Um, you're a little. Uh, you're a little. Uh, you're a little. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, Mark? You're a little like in a tunnel there. If you can make an adjustment, I don't know. So, uh, and then they take the 2024, which is which which is a throwaway, right? I mean, who knows what that pick's going to be in 2020? And then I don't know much about the prospect Daniel Reagan. But that's it's a far cry from what they wanted to get for the guy, but they had to move him. So um, Buffalo came off their price, and the Sharks got the forward they targeted, you know, for a couple weeks. <laughs> Excuse me. How about um, the how about the Blackhawks giving up on Ryan Hartman? I mean, I know, mm, you know, he probably hasn't developed mm, this year the way they wanted him to, but you know, kind of a young forward and with some size and talent and. And they need the youth, and I know they got a first-round pick back in the deal. 
again. It's going to be at the end of the draft, end of yeah. the round. But and, and going to Nashville, no less. <laughs> he goes and scores the game winner against Winnipeg his first game against the last yeah. game of the game. It's going to deflect the shot in from, from off wing. And, uh, that, that had to be a little salt in the wound, too, right? <laughs> I love seeing stuff like that. But, yeah, kind of odd move for Chicago. You think is it going to – I mean, let's face it, they've got a lot of work to do in the offseason to, to get uh, back to where they, they expect to be in the franchise. Um, I didn't like moving Panarin. I don't like moving Hartman. And then they brought in Sad um, and, and brought back Sharp, right? And that didn't work. So they got a lot, and they got a lot of work to do. Um, I'm not sure where they're headed, but I don't know about giving away that young town in Panarin and Hartman. Um, interesting to say the least. I'm, I hope that I'm sure they have a plan. That GM's one of the best in the business at managing that salary cap over the last ten years. Um, so I guess, I guess that's a wait and see kind of a thing as what their plan is going to be. Yeah, no, like I said, it was interesting to me. And then the other interesting, uh, deal was, um, you know, Winnipeg winds up being a buyer, which isn't a big surprise, uh, but, uh, St. Louis winds up being the seller, which, you know, I know Stasny is a, a pending, uh, unrestricted free agent, but St. Louis has really been struggling for a while, although they're, they're right on the cusp of the playoffs, and um, but Doug Armstrong's like, hey, look, uh, this is probably what I, he felt he needs to do for the long-term health of the franchise. He picks up a first-round pick in that deal. Um, um, you know, the theme the theme is of all the teams, you know, that traded first-round picks, which is kind of, you know, what everyone is trying to grab at the deadline. If you notice, all the teams that did it: Tampa, Winnipeg. Nashville, in terms of this coming draft, um, Vegas, they're all teams that are going to be picking uh, at the very end of the round. Now, these are not the teams sure. that the Anaheims or the Kings or the or the Floridas or you know um, the Minnesotas. Middle of the pack could be. Yeah, they, these are all the teams that are like, look, we know even if we had a disappointing playoff. Uh, we're picking like 24, 25, and we we expect to get very far in the playoffs, which means, you know, who knows? Maybe we end up picking 31. So uh, that's the theme that 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 came out of here, uh, you know, to me of of, of the first round picks uh, being being moved. So and and again to be again to be fair, you know, a couple of years ago, or I guess it's three years ago now, when Brock Besser was drafted. He was 22nd overall. He wasn't, you know, eighth overall. I mean, he was 22nd overall. Sure. Um, so, you know, Travis Konecki, the same draft, was 24th overall. So uh, you can get very good players. Uh, what's his, you know, you, not, hey, your boy, your boy Barsal was what, 17? 18? 16, yeah, 16 overall. So, um, but, you know, it, it was uh, – I mean, Hey, Hunter Conquist was 202nd overall. So there's there's players to be well, had, sir. Yeah, that's <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know you're not going to get that every year. Right. Yeah, you certainly aren't going to get that every year. But, no, I understand what you're saying. There's definitely uh, players uh, players. There's value. Had. So it was – yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't, um, you know, the amount of trades that we've seen in the past, but I, I think there was a lot of meat uh, on on that bone of the trades that did happen. There, You know, there, there wasn't like uh, – some years there's been a plethora of, 
third and fourth liners go, you know, and just really changing addresses. But uh, there, to me, there was some very, you know, those those few trades that we covered were all very significant deals uh, for the deadline. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, we're talking trade deadline on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're waiting for our guest, Jeff Dwork, to join us and talk a little bit about the Kings and then what his impressions on on the trade deadline overall. Other than other than what we talked about, Chris, um, who has the most other other than what we talked about? Um, I, what do you think of what New Jersey did? I I kind of like what, what they did. Yeah, the only thing that scares me a little bit about them is, and I have to go look at their list because I know they acquired uh, a number of draft picks with, with moves the last couple of years. But if you go back to the off season, you know they traded you know two twos to get uh, Marcus Johansson, and and then you know they made the Grabner deal. They gave up another. They gave up another two. Um, then they they did uh, the Patrick Maroon deal, and I think they gave up. What did yeah. they give up? They give up a three and a pen and an unsigned prospect. Um, so, I mean, to me, I don't know if you. I, I get it. New Jersey wants to get back to the playoffs, but I don't Absolutely. see them. I think they did the most. They get there. Yeah, but I don't. Of, I don't of know all the teams, they're on the bubble in the East. Yeah, they're I know, but a lot of picks to give up uh, for a team who I don't know if it's gonna, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in them making a run in the playoffs and, and to be honest with you going into next season it's not like oh wow they, they're they're you know leaps and bounds ahead of these other teams that didn't make the playoffs and they're a shoe in for the playoffs next year um, we've seen plenty of teams recently who've you know got back to the playoffs and then take us you know it's one step back to get two steps sure. forward Calgary comes to mind and and, yeah, and they don't have a lot. It's not like they have a, a bunch of – a couple of kids down below who's going to break through next year. So in terms of, like, uh, a killer guy waiting to, to break through. So I'm a little leery. I, I, it's not like I could point at each move and say, oh, I don't like that deal. I didn't like the Johansson deal. I didn't like the Grabner deal. Or I didn't like the Maroon deal. I'm not saying that at all. I think they're all good trades on their own. But to give up the amount of picks of uh, – Ray Shiro has given up over the last year or so makes makes me a little bit uneasy if I was a Devils fan. No, I, I can agree with that. I think I think that management wants to get into the playoffs. There's revenue yeah. to be had there, even if you do take a first round exit. You, um, there, let's face it, that isn't one of the buildings that's full every night in the NHL. So. If you can get in and get that first-round playoff money, that's got to help. Um, you want to right now? I think they're the ball. one number one wild card, so they would either draw Washington. Right. They would draw Washington right now. Although the the, um, the Metro division is very up for grabs between Montreal, Philly, and Pittsburgh. So who knows? I mean, if they get the right matchup in the first round, I mean, to me, Philly's playing way over their heads. But you know, God bless. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're winning again today. Who knows? Too. Yeah, in, in Tampa, no less. So, um, yeah, maybe if they get the right mass matchup, you know, I, I like Devils' chances. We had Chris Wassel on last week. If you missed that show, check it out. 
covers the Devils inside and out. I like their chances to get in the playoffs, and it looks like that last spot, in my opinion, well, it looks like it's going to be a three-team race between Carolina, Columbus, and Florida. Kudos to you, sir. About a month ago, you said watch out for the Panthers. So uh, they have done nothing but keep keep winning. I know they tried to do something at the deadline, but uh, weren't able to. And I was not surprised, but it was interesting to me in terms of Montreal, no no moves there, no Pacioretty deal, and no Galchenyuk deal. Uh, yeah. So I, 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 say again. Right. They did move out Placanic, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. I mean, to me, like, I yeah, mean, and they got a second round pick. So that, yeah, no, that's right. Look again, they got a second round pick. They got good value from Toronto. Um, and they traded Joe Morrow, I think, for fourth round. But I thought, yeah, yeah, either either Pacioretty or Galchenyuk, one of those guys, would be moving on. But it didn't happen. Well, let's pop, let's pop some energy into the show here. Uh, always energetic and fun to talk hockey with. Good friend of the show, Jeff Dwart, NHL editor for CaliSportsNews.com. He's a credentialed writer. He's been to the Stanley Cup Finals. He's been to the All-Star Games. Um, hardcore Kings fan. We were talking earlier in the week, Jeff, about an article that you're working on. Has that dropped yet, uh, or, or do you want to keep it under wraps? I'll leave that up to you if you want to talk a little bit about it. Hey, Mark. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me back on the show. And no, that article has not dropped yet. It's still a work in progress. Uh, Definitely one of the hardest articles I've ever had to put together. Hence me reaching out to you, Mark, and others just trying to get your advice and and ideas. But no, it's uh, the greatest, uh, the top 10 greatest defensemen in LA Kings history. Uh, Probably won't be dropping for another week or two, depending, because I keep changing my mind. And Mark, like yourself and other people have brought up some great ideas, you know, and it just, it's, I I got the first two locked down. It's the rest that's like making me lose sleep every night, but it will be coming out the next uh, week or so. And I'll let everyone know about it too. The best, uh, the top 10 best LA Kings defenseman of all time. And wow, it was a lot harder to write than I thought it would be. Is Gary Galley on the list? I left him off. What's that, Chris? Probably is Gary Galley on the list? Oh hell no, he is not on the list. <laughs> but but I'll I'll write his money. name down. I'll write his name down. I'll put an asterisk beside it, and then we'll see what happens. Who knows? I might change my mind. No, I threw out Jay Wells, and I threw out Zitnik, and I threw out Modry. Um, Matty Nordstrom has to be on the list, right? He's a cap, former captain of the team. I mean. Uh, Larry Robinson, Hall of Fame defenseman, he only played three years with the Kings. But if we're just talking talent, you you threw out one that I left off my list, Willie Mitchell. Um, he wasn't with the team that long, but his impact with the team and and you know developing through Dowdy, um, immeasurable. So yeah, you talked me into putting Mitchell on my list. Um, yeah, you you go you go Dowdy Blake and then. No particular order. I can't, I can't do it. That's going to be a tough one. And I, I can't wait to read it, sir. When, once it comes out, we'll definitely be promoting it. So let's jump over to the trade deadline, sir. Uh, Rob Blake, in his first year as general manager, has shown that he is not shy about making a deal. He brings nope. in Camilleri, moves out Camilleri, um, goes and gets Tory Mitchell, goes and gets uh, 
<laughs> excuse me, a couple other, couple other deals even before the deadline. So not shy to make a deal, trying to make the team better. Um, although I would argue that maybe the movable parts have something to do with maybe a lack of consistency that we see with this Kings team this year as everybody tries to get to know the new pieces and they're playing a lot of rookies. So in any given night, you can have between, let's say, six and nine players that weren't even on the roster with the team last year. Um, so sure, that's going to be a little chemistry, a little a little uh, consistency that needs to be generated and built with with the, the roster changes like that. Which of the the deals? Let's go from. You know, my head scratcher was was moving Kemper, but um, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you pick apart uh, any of the trades that you want to talk about, Jeff. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, just one quick mention about the rookie general manager, Rob Blake. Uh, one of his first right. moves was also to move Ben Bishop um, to the Dallas Stars before Bishop's contract was up and became a unrestricted free agent. And you know what? It was for a fourth-round draft pick, but at least he got something where we've seen in the last couple of years with Dean Lombardi, the Kings lost uh, Milan Lucic. They lost Sekera for nothing. Right, and they lost players in those deals, draft picks in those deals to bring in those players, and it was really all for nothing. So Blake, right away, I thought made a very impressive move. Even just getting a fourth rounder, he got something that could turn into something. You never yes. know, but at least he got something in return, which I remember with Glenn Sather's model back when he was coaching GM of the Oilers back in the '80s during their dynasty years. He always said, "You never let go of a player for nothing. You at least try to get something, even if it's a bag of pucks." So Blake has been doing that and that was the first sign where I was like well that's different <laughs> you know that's interesting right. uh, but yeah Rob Blake is not shy uh, if you were to ask me this time last year uh, if Blake be if Blake had become the GM after Dean Lombardi would you have confidence in him as a general manager and I think my automatic answer would be no because he's not proven you know, he was the assistant GM for a couple of years, part of that 2014 win. He's, of course, a legendary hockey player, legendary Kings player, Hall of Famer, etc. But as a GM, he just didn't have that experience. He wasn't even the assistant GM in 2012 because that was Ron Hextall with the Kings. So I was very skeptical. Right. And, of course, you, you look at the issues that the Kings had uh, because of contracts, because of the salary cap, the bad trades, the bad acquisitions that Dean Lombardi made in his last three years as GM of the Kings, that how is a rookie GM going to fix that or attempt to fix it? And I didn't think he had the experience to do it, but he's made some really, really good moves. But it, uh, to bring up the Darcy Kemper trade, now Kemper, of course, was going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. It was very right. similar to last season, say, with Peter Budai, who was going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Uh, Kemper, though, was outstanding with the Kings. You know, which one, the Peter Budai? I didn't, I didn't like, like it either. And in, at the time, and, and it bore out because Bishop did not play well when he came over. And Budai, and up until late January, I was, if you looked at how well he was playing, he had those in the trophy numbers. I mean, honestly, he did. Yeah. Um, and maybe because they were protecting him and they had to play a little bit even more defensive style than what we're used to seeing from the Kings is the offense did struggle. And I think maybe Kopitar was, was a victim of that last year. Um, 
concentrating yep. more on his defensive game. But I, I did not like that deal. And the fact that you mentioned that Rob Blake was able to get a fourth and salvage a part of that deal that I didn't like, um, that that was the first sign, like you said, that maybe things are going to be different this time around. But go ahead. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I didn't like to trade either uh, because well, here's the thing, though, and trades are always a risk. Just like drafting players is a risk. Everything is a risk because nothing is guaranteed in hockey, and we can take our best guesses. We can look at the stats. We can look at the trends, and, but really – it's a crapshoot. Anything could happen. But in theory, on paper, Ben Bishop is a better goalie than Peter Budai. Yeah, so I understand what sure. Lombardi was thinking of because the Kings are going down the stretch. Uh, they were struggling to stay in a playoff spot. They wanted to solidify the goaltending. Quick was gone for three quarters of the year due to injury. Uh, they put Bishop in there, and it just did not work out. He was not good at all. He's a very good goaltender. He just did not play well with the Kings. So this year, now we're looking at Darcy Kemper, though who has played less than Peter Budai did last year, but has been absolutely outstanding for the Kings. 10-1-3, 2 10 goals against average, three shutouts, and a 9.32 save percentage. As myself, as a fan, not even looking at the numbers, at the stats, and trying to analyze anything, just watching as a fan, I felt so comfortable and had so much trust with Kemper and Net that I would with having Absolutely. Jonathan Quick in Net. He was calm, he was steady, he was great composure and making huge saves. But again, a USA, what's going to happen with Kemper? So does Rob Blake go all in for this one season and go with Quick and Kemper to make a run for the playoff, you know, for a playoff spot. He could have. And if he did, nobody would blame him with the way that Kemper was playing. But he decided, right. you know what? We're going to let him go. We're going to let him go because the odds are he's not coming back. Um, uh, trade him to – I don't like when trades go to division rivals, but it is to the Arizona Coyotes. And the way they've been pl uh, playing, we might be okay for a couple of years against them, right? Not but, a threat. But here's the thing. Right. Not a threat right now, but they do have Kemper and Nett, so who knows, right? So it's, 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 I just did an article recently, my thumbs up, thumbs down column, and that trade got both a thumbs up and a thumbs down, and I'll explain why. I, I did not way. like picking up, I did not like picking up goalie Scott Wedgwood. If we're getting rid, and we, of course, like I'm part of the team, if the Kings are getting rid of Darcy Kemper, who's been outstanding, why are we getting Scott Wedgwood? He better not be Jonathan Quick's backup goaltender. Quick, now at 32, the last couple of years, has dealt with some major injuries. Uh, Quick, after an injury this year, which had him up for just a little bit, came back and was completely out of form. Whether he still was a nurse in the injury, whether it was a confidence issue or just a good old slump, of course, Quick has bounced back now. But at that time, he wasn't playing well. But you had Kemper, so no worries. Scott Wedgwood, I don't think so. As I believe he's 25. There's potential there. Uh, I think he's, he's a free agent at the end of the season anyways. But for me, and I remember talking to uh, my colleagues at LA Kings Road Talk Radio, Cheap Plug, uh, we were talking about the only way for this to work with Wedgwood in the trade is to send him down. If he passes through waivers, you put him down in Ontario, you bring up Jack Campbell, who's ready, who's NHL ready, and you have Wedgwood as a backup for Cal Peterson for the Ontario Reign. Luckily, I, that was Blake's master plan, and that's exactly how it played out. Jack Campbell came up, 
played against the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights on the second game of the back-to-back. 41 saves was absolutely outstanding. And kudos for Blake understanding that, hey, you have two of the best goaltending coaches in hockey today with Bill Ranford, Conn my Trophy winner, with the LA Kings, and Dusty Emo down with the Ontario Reign. Their track records speak for themselves of how they're able to bring players in there. And, and Jack Campbell, of course, was a... Highly touted prospect. He, he was drafted 10th overall 2010 by Dallas, led Team USA to a surprise World Junior Gold Medal, beating the favorites Canada in the final. But for whatever reason, when Dallas drafted him, him being in that organization with the Texas, uh, the Texas AHL team or the Idaho team in the ECHL, something happened that messed up his game. He developed bad habits and completely lost his confidence. Well, Dusty Emo and, and Bill Ramford during training camps gave him back that confidence, and now he is ready to play in the NHL. So Wedgwood had to go down. I'm so happy that he did. So it was a thumbs down for getting Wedgwood, but a thumbs up for bringing up Jack Campbell to back up Jonathan Quick. I feel a lot better. Can Campbell do what Kemper did? Kemper's more experienced at the NHL level, but we're going to see, and it's so far so good. The second part of the trip, the trip actually really did right? like. That's the part I liked. For for Toby Reader is simply this. Now I know against Vegas, Coach John Stevens had Reader up on the top line with Dustin Brown and Andre Kopitar. I did not like that. I want Reader in the bottom six because that's where the Kings need to solidify things. All right. So with Toby Reader, you're getting someone with very quick foot speed as a right winger. You also have a guy who can score. He who who has scored more than once thirty points with a very bad Arizona Coyotes team. 30 points is already better than what Kyle Clifford can bring you with the Kings, what Andy Andrioff can bring with you with the Kings, right? What Tory Mitchell can bring with you offensively with the Kings. So right there, he's moving up the depth chart, and I like to have some speed down there, right? Especially when Trevor Lewis comes more, back uh, from his poor well, injury. I was going to say, historically, even more scoring than Trevor Lewis brings uh, traditionally. Yeah, absolutely. And he could also play defense. He could also kill penalties, which just adds an extra option for John Stevens if that is needed. So I'm very happy that they were able to strengthen because right now we've got a log jam in the bottom six. And I've been telling people that's a great problem to have because one of my concerns, sure. I believe we talked about on this show before the season is that the Kings need to score goals, which is what has been a major problem with the Kings minus the 2012-2014 playoffs. But in the regular season, that's always a problem. And you need help with the third and fourth lines. So if you have someone like Reeder down there, so far he's only had one goal in five games, but he's adding that speed. It's causing chaos to the opposing defending teams. So the Kings now have solidified their, especially when Trevor Lewis comes back, their four lines. So you can roll those four lines and tack in waves, which is what the Kings should be doing anyways, which, which has helped them in the past when they were successful. So I do like the reader trade. Uh, the Wedgwood went down. They brought up Jack Campbell. So I do like that. But there is a little part of me that's going to miss Darcy Kemper. But I get why they did the move. He wasn't coming back. Fine. It's Jack Campbell's time to shine. Win quick. Can't play. Now, with the other deals that they did, um, moving moving Gabbard, of course, um, I didn't think they'd ever be able to do that. And bringing it, what, what's the more important piece? Enough 
or as you were just saying, solidifying the third line and bringing Nate, Nate Thompson in. Easy. I'm surprised with both. <laughs> both. I'm, I'm, not, I'm surprised I am with not. how well this played. I am. I didn't expect that. I've been... A couple of years ago, of course, for listeners out there who don't know, I live up in Canada. I live in Ontario, Canada, but an hour away from Toronto. So I'm stuck. I'm surrounded by Toronto Maple Leaf Nation. So uh, very aware of the Amphonov's time here in Toronto as the captain, uh, something he did not deserve to be uh, because Coach Ron Wilson and GM uh, Brian Burke at the time, the administration at the time, slapped that C on him before he was able to earn it, and he was not ready. And not everybody can play, especially as captain. We have to deal with the media on a regular basis where the fan base, a very fanatic fan base, is going to be on you nonstop in the fishbowl of playing up here in Canada. Uh, when there were rumors that, Toronto was looking to ship Phaneuf out, and I heard, you know, little murmurs that the Kings might be interested. I started thinking, you know what? L.A. is the absolute perfect market for Dion Phaneuf to play because if he comes to Los Angeles, he will not be the number one guy, right? The number one guy on defense is Drew Doughty. He doesn't have to wear a letter on his chest. There's already a strong leadership team, a core team that has been very successful winning championships on this team. Oh, he's, he'll be living on the beach. He won't have 30, 40 uh, journalists and, and photographers following him around all the time, like in Toronto and a little bit in Ottawa. Even though he wasn't the, the number one guy in Ottawa, you're still in the fishbowl of being in Canada. And Phaneuf, you know what? Not everyone can, can be mentally strong to play in that type of environment. And I'm not saying he's weak. I'm just saying he needed a change. Uh, Doug Gilmore was someone who thrived in Toronto. Patrick Raw thrived in Montreal, and those are hotbeds, uh, you know, of, of, of fanaticism. But Fanuf in L.A., his wife is an actress, Alicia Cuthbert. She could even go find a gig. They could chill out at Manhattan Beach or Hermosa Beach, and all he has to do is just play his game. He doesn't need to be a leader. Right. He doesn't. He he just has to play, and especially in a second. Uh, defensive pairing unit, which is exactly where Stevens put him with Alec Martinez. Perfect. And look how he's playing so far. Like nine games, he's got three goals, three assists. He's been fantastic. And I thought this was an excellent trade. Nate Thompson, again, a veteran, a guy who's actually really good. I think he's very underrated in the faceoff dot. He could also kill penalties. Yeah. He's, he's got a mean streak in him. Scored a big goal against Columbus the other day when the, when the Kings were down 2 nothing. He scored that goal to get the Kings back in it. Great energy guy. Yes. Great guy to have in the locker room. Again, fantastic Playoff. trade. And who did the Kings proven. get? Who did they get? Playoff proven, uh, proven. And who did the Kings gave up? Mary Gabbert and Nick Shore? What? When the <laughs> trade happened, guys, Mark and Chris, when the trade happened, it was after the Kings got smoked by the Carolina Hurricanes. In a game, Carolina won 7-3. It was a game where Carolina was better offensively, defensively, goaltending. I mean, puck possession, blocks. They were better at making toast than the Kings were. They were better at checkers. They would have killed the Kings in a game of rock, paper, scissors. The Kings were that bad, and Carolina, Carolina was that good. And we were just yeah, about to go on air with Ella King's Road Park Radio. I was doing my prep work, so I wasn't paying attention to what happened because the game had just ended and we're about to go live on air. And my good friend Theo gave me a message saying that the Kings had traded 
Marion Gabrick with his contract, with with his injuries, with his age, and Nick Shore for Fanuf and Thompson? I thought it was a prank. I did not believe him at all. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, buddy. It was to the point where I didn't even want to even look it up because I'm like, no way did Rob Blake pull off that trade because that would be a miracle. And then I got the text from Scott and Augie from Rotok Radio, and it was true. And I looked it up, and I'm like, wow, Rob Blake just pulled off a miracle, a hockey miracle of getting rid of Gabrick, his contract, someone like Nick Shore who, you know, has not lived up or hasn't developed the way the Kings had hoped he would to pick up enough to play in a market that's perfectly suited for him in L.A. And Nate Thompson – fantastic trade so two big thumbs up on that trade and it showed in the they've only played nine games but it showed in the nine games what a difference they make to this team the defense has been solidified and that's why blake was focusing on now the bottom six thompson of course helped out and then they brought in toby reader so uh yeah uh, that trade for sure right away i was very happy with and i had a lot of arguments and debates for the next two three days after that with kings fans who did not want Dion Phaneuf because he has that stigma of not being a very good defenseman being lazy being a horrible leader and all of that came from his years with the toronto maple leafs and what people forget is that they put him in a leadership role which he wasn't ready for a role that if they did it properly, they could have just integrated him into the team and let him play, get used to playing in Toronto, get used to his teammates, and then naturally let him earn it if he earns it. They didn't do that. They dropped the gun. He did his best to his credit, but it wasn't good enough. And now he is more comfortable. Look how well he played in the conference final last year or the playoffs with Ottawa not as the number one guy, but taking them all the way to the conference final, helping Ottawa get there. They were one goal away from the Stanley Cup final. Just goes to show now, without that media pressure of Canada in L.A., Fanuf can now, at 32, can now finally show his true potential, and it's been showing in the last nine games. Well, hey, hey nice, nice pull on the Elisha, on the Elisha Cuthbert there. That I hadn't thought about that <laughs> angle, but... Uh, that nice pull on that one. Let's go ahead and bring in Chris. Um, I know he wants to jump into the conversation here, Chris. Hey, JT, it's great to hear your voice again. So my first question, two prongs. Give me your uh, probability, your odds of probability, that the A, the Kings make the playoffs, and B, do you feel that they're a dangerous team if they do make the playoffs? Okay. I'm going to go with the dangerous part. The Kings are a dangerous team, and there's two reasons for that. Number one, they are so unpredictable. <laughs> if I was to bet money on the back-to-back series they recently had with the Vegas Golden Knights, my money would be on the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Kings went out there and won the back-to-back games, all right? And so they're unpredictable, which always makes them dangerous. But the second thing that really makes them dangerous, for the first time since 2014, the Kings are resilient. Resilient. So if you remember even the 2014 season, especially those playoffs, how many times did the Kings give up the first, sometimes the second goal, early in the game, yet they still come back and win it. And I'm talking about against a Chicago team that was a dynasty at the time, a San Jose team that was up 3 nothing, a Ducks team that is always dangerous, 
all three of those teams always up for playing against L.A. And it was the same thing in the final against the Rangers, who sometimes would score first. But they were resilient. And you have a goalie like Jonathan Quick, that when he's on his game, and he has been, especially in his last five games, where maybe it's Edmonton game in between, Quick has had a 9.38 save percentage in the last five games, including that Edmonton game. Quick will always keep you in the game. And we saw it against Columbus. We saw it many times this season where Quick will make that one or two big saves to allow the Kings to stay in it, and then they can be in it. And I feel that the Kings have a lot more depth this season than they've had. They're not at their 2014 level, but they've had since after that season. So they're always dangerous. Are they consistent? No. And that adds to the unpredictability. But when you have Andre Kopitar and Dustin Brown back in form. Dustin Brown has 19 goals. Really should be 20. I'm counting that fourth goal against Edmonton because Toronto blew it in the situation room. But Brown is at 19 goals. The, he, that's the most he's had since 2012. All right. And he's been on the first line with Kobe for the entire season, give or take a couple of games. Yeah. All right. You now have the return of Jeff Carter. It is almost as if it was 2012 all over again, meaning the Kings traded for Carter to bring him onto the uh, the Kings this season because he has been out all year with his uh, lacerated uh, ankle tendon uh, injury that he had all year that he needed surgery. And now that he's back, it's almost as if they traded for him all over again. And he's already got three goals, two on a power play, one shorthanded. It's waking up Tyler Toffoli, who's been – Who's, who has 21 goals, but has a very sleepy 21 goals, a very invisible 21 goals. He, uh, Tanner Pierce is now starting to work up, uh, wake up. So the, two, the top two lines now getting very dangerous with the bottom six improving, with the defense now solidified with the on enough, and you still have Quick and you have Campbell still an X, X factor because of the fact that, you know, he is not experienced at the NHL level, though he's been around for many years now. The Kings are dangerous. How far can they go? I don't know. But, hey, we've seen it. Sometimes teams don't do very well in the regular season or they're, uh, you know, not very consistent in the regular season. But once the playoff starts, just like Wayne Gretzky said, it's a brand-new season. You start over. And the Kings don't have that championship core. They have these uh, younger guys who are hungry, guys like Alex Iafalo, Mike Amadio, etc., and you're getting scoring now for the bottom six, the Kings are dangerous. Will they make the playoffs? Now, Give me it's... it's, it's uh, okay, you guys have to remember, I am also a very superstitious LA Kings fan. So, right. um, I'm, I'm going to go, but I'll give you a percentage. I'm going to say... I'm going to say, oh man, I'm going to say there's a... 75 to 80% chance, I'm going to say yes, the Kings are going to go in. Okay, I got two more for you before we uh, hand you back off to Mark. Uh, um, you know, right now, now this can change over the course of a couple of days, but right now one would say that the Kings and Sharks got to like their chances to make the playoffs either with one of the automatic spots in the Pacific or if they slid into one of the wild card spots. The Ducks and the Flames, a little more of a uh, scary situation. Uh, what do you 
do you, what do you think about those two teams and their chances? I remember when we talked about Calgary in our preseason show well, when it was on here, and you know there was the big acquisition that Calgary made of bringing a longtime Coyotes goalie Mike Smith to Calgary. Um, and my concern was was Mike Smith's age. Okay, uh, how, and and you know, can he stay healthy for an entire season? And that turns out to not have been the case. Also, add to the fact that I thought Calgary would be a lot stronger this season. They're not the disappointment that you know Edmonton turned out to be, but Calgary really just—they're really not that far away. If they can get a, a win streak going, they're at 73 points right now. They can squeeze in there as well. But and I believe they have won their last three games. But it, it, it's the goaltending situation that worries me. There's just something off with that team, even besides Mike Smith being out. There's just something wrong with that team that they're just not clicking the way that I probably thought, expected them to click this season. Now, Anaheim, they've been injuries, and you guys know me well enough for the last three years being on this show, you guys being on my show uh, and talking, you know, off air and stuff like that. You guys know how much I hate the Anaheim Ducks as a, King, a Kings fan. But you guys also know how much, how dangerous I know that they are. And if they can get clicking, you know, Anaheim can get into a playoff spot. Now, they've had a lot of injuries this season, especially the first half of the season. I thought GM Bob Murray made some strange trades uh, at the deadline, um, let me just look right here. I just, just had it. But they got like, um, they, they signed, was it Chris Kelly? He was the captain of Team Canada that led him to the bronze medal at just this recent Winter Olympics in South Korea. 36 years old. I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, the other one, of course, remember, they still have Francois Beauchemin. They still have Kevin Biesca, both in their late 30s. So it's like, huh, okay. So, you know really aging group that they have there. And they brought in, is it Chimera? Uh, or Chimera? I can never say his name correctly, but they, they gave away one of their top fourth-line grinders for someone who all, who's 38 years old, training for age, I thought was very, very strange. And then there's the goaltending situation. Is John Gibson a number one goalie type guy? Because I'm looking at Toronto with Frederick Anderson. Anderson, of course, made his yeah. name with the Anaheim Ducks. And for whatever reason, Bob Murray let him go and put all his chips on John Gibson, which has not really paid off because Gibson can't stay healthy. He's a talented goalie, without a doubt. He's a young guy, too, without a doubt. But with him always injured, you're relying on Ryan Miller, who has been phenomenal his entire career, but is way past his prime and is just not the goalie he used to be. He'll have his moments because he's still, Ryan Miller is still Ryan Miller, but he can't be the number one guy anymore. I don't think he has much left in the tank, and his reflexes are not what they used to be, especially in his heyday with the Buffalo Sabres when they kept going to the conference final back in those years. So those are the big question marks, but the Ducks are still the Ducks. They're going to compete, and they're going to be dangerous, and right now it seems to be the Kings and the Ducks trading for that third spot in the division, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Anaheim does get in there because that just seems to be the thing that they do, and then they'll lose a game seven in the playoffs. San Jose picked up Evander Kane. Now, I had debates with, with other Kings fans about Evander Kane. A lot of people wanted, not everyone, but a lot of people wanted the Kings to make a play for Evander Kane. And honestly, guys, I was against it. And the reason why, the reason why I was against it is – is Evander Kane a talented player? 
Absolutely. Has he lived up to his potential? Not even close, right? And does he have a good attitude on or off the ice? Nope. All right. Now, to be fair, he played in Winnipeg when they were not very good. It's not the Winnipeg of this season, who I think are outstanding. Okay. And he's played for a very poor Buffalo Sabres team. But here's a guy off the ice who is constantly getting in trouble, has a horrible attitude, does not like to work out hard, especially in practices. Okay. Sometimes does not give his all in a game. I did not want him anywhere in Los Angeles. I prefer maybe a Max Pacioretty, whether, you know, or Las Vegas or, you know, whatever. But San Jose went for it. Doug Wilson went for it. They got Evander Kane. It has sparked them a little bit because San Jose was falling apart. They were losing a lot of games, and now they're back on a winning streak. I mean, they, they won their last two at least. Uh, I believe Kate's only played the, uh, the two games, but he's already, he's already got three assists. So he's going to be excited playing for a team that's, that's possibly going to be in the playoffs, and I think San Jose is going to make it. Um, they got Martin Jones, the Martin Jones factor in, in net. So I say San Jose is in. Vegas obviously is going to win the division, so they're in. I say L.A. or Anaheim in that third spot, and it's going to be L.A. or Anaheim with that one wild card spot. It'll be between the Ducks and the Kings. Calgary, I just don't have faith in them anymore. I think they'll be at the outside looking in, but just by a bit. Oh, and my last thing, and considering the Islanders have Calgary's first round pick this year, that's probably the biggest, the only thing I have left to root for this regular season. But anyway, but be that as it may and kind of a sad state of affairs. Uh, JD, give me from the trade deadline deals, you know, the, the days leading up to it, if you will, it doesn't have to be the deadline day of Monday that just passed. Either give me a deal that you absolutely loved for someone that jumped off the page. Oh, you feel you feel so passionate about that you love for someone, or the complete opposite. There was one deal you feel so passionate about that you hate for someone. Which which what would that be? Okay, that's a very good question. I liked. I liked what Tampa Bay did by picking up Ryan McDonough from the New York Rangers. Um, there was always the, there was a big rumor all season. You know, we've all heard it. Everyone's discussed it uh, about you know Ottawa possibly trading uh, their superstar Eric Carlson this season, even though his contract's not up until next year. Uh, trading Eric Carlson. I know Vegas was interested. I know the Leafs are very interested even though they have zero room on their cap this season, right? Things will change at the end of the season. But Tampa Bay, Steve Eisenman was really, really interested in Eric Carlson, but Ottawa did not pull the trigger. But Eisenman did not give up, and he was still able to, to pull off and grab Ryan McDonough, which I believe he didn't really even give up that much because he still has uh, uh, Mikhail Sergachev, so he didn't even need to trade him. So they still got him on that team. Uh, they were able to give up, what, J.T. Miller? No, they got J.T. Miller from a guy. I, I apologize. I can never pronounce his name. Vyacheslav Nemstenikov. Uh, I apologize, guys. I butchered that. Next to prospects. Yeah, Mark Nemstenikov's agent, apparently. He knows how to say his name. Yeah. The yeah, I, I'm, the, I'm the worst at man. I'm like Don Cherry. I can't pronounce anything if my life depended on it. But I did like them picking up Brian McDonough. I think that does strengthen up their defense. McDonough, of course, a veteran, um, spent to the Stanley Cup final. And what a lot of people are talking about, he's teaming back up with Dan Girardi. And if anyone remembers, right. they were a, 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 
a defensive unit for the New York Rangers that helped the Rangers go to the Stanley Cup final back in 2014. So there's a, there's a, a familiar face and a familiar uh, person to play with that Madonna can be very comfortable with. I mean, at the Lightning, they're just completely dangerous. Uh, I liked what Winnipeg did. I liked that they picked up Paul Statsny, which, like Braden Shen, former LA King, current uh, St. Louis Blue, who, who, whose mind was blown that St. Louis gave up on Statsny, someone who's been a huge contributor to that team. And sure, the Blues have been falling apart uh, this second part of the season after being red hot in the beginning part of the season. They're not that far off a playoff spot. So to give up Paul Stassi is like they just threw in the white to- uh, towel. But I think it was a great deal for Winnipeg, who, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, just they, they're outstanding. They're so dangerous. Like, I'm really, really liking what Winnipeg and, you know, have been able to put together. I think Paul Stassi just strengthens them. It was a great pickup uh, to go down the stretch and then go into a playoff spot. This is the strongest Winnipeg has been since the Dale Howard truck years back in the 80s with the original Winnipeg Jets. So watch out, watch out. Now, no one's at the level. Well, actually, pa- Patrick Lonnie is pretty amazing himself. But, you know, I'm not saying it's like going to be like Howard Chuck because those Winnipeg Jets were Stanley Cup contenders. The only problem is they were stuck in the Smythe division with the Edmonton Oilers, who had guys like Gretzky and Messier, and the Calgary Flames, yeah. who had guys like McDonald, Neuendijk, Mullen. That they, Winnipeg was so good, they couldn't compete with the two Alberta teams. But I like Paul Stassi going to that team. The one I didn't like, Chris, and I already mentioned I like the Phaneuf trade. Uh, I like Reader coming to the Kings, but I'm going to miss uh, Kemper because he was so great. But the one I didn't like, I'm going to be honest, guys, I've never been the biggest fan of Rick Nash. I, I have never been the biggest fan of Rick Nash. And what I like, okay, what Rick Nash is really good at is he could be, he's a complete sniper which is his job. He's a sniper. In soccer, they call it a number nine. He's a number nine. He, he's the guy who his job is just put that puck in the net, and he's done it very well, but it's always in the regular season. And he has a very respectable 18 goals this year that he had with the Rangers, and he's played so far so good with Boston, who has a fantastic team. They are contenders without a doubt. The way they were able to turn over um, – you know, after they got rid of GM Peter Shirelli and they weren't the team they were in 2011-2013, uh, they did a really quick kind of rebuild or retool, and now they're back to being extremely tough. You know, he's got three points in three games, fair enough, but we're still in a regular season. What I don't like about Rick Nash is how he plays in the postseason because I feel he's one of those players who disappear once the pressure is on. And we know that the intensity level jumps up by 1,000 in the NHL playoffs I also did not like how we played for Canada for the Olympics back in 2012. I'm sorry, 2010 and 2014. Canada won the gold medal both of those times. He was in 2010. He actually played not too bad. He had the, he was on the best line with Jonathan Taves and Mike Richards. 2014, he was invisible. I didn't like how we played with the Rangers. In 2014, the Rangers made the finals, as we mentioned. It was against the Kings. He had zero goals, zero assists, zero points in the biggest series of his life, the Stanley Cup Finals. I saw Brian Boyle score goals. I saw Martin St. Louis, who was near retirement, score goals. You know, I saw Matt Zuccarello. He was scoring. But Rick Nash was invisible, and he does it all the time. All right? So... Boston. I don't, in fairness, I, JD, I, don't, I don't know if he was invisible because I remember seeing him in, in one of those big overtime games uh, completely whiff on an empty net that would have given the Rangers a win. So I can't. I don't think it's fair to say he was yeah, invisible. Yeah, but exactly. He would have. 
But was he consistent? Tongue was in cheek there, guys. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, okay thank you. Right. So he agreed. Chris agrees. Chris <laughs> is on board. And of course he's on board. Of course he's on board. He's an Islanders guy. We're talking to the Rangers. So, uh, but Rick Nash disappears. He reminds me of Mike Gardner, a Hall of Famer. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Gardner still has the NHL record for the most consecutive 30 goals in regular season. More than Gretzky, more than Lemieux, more, more than Bossy. I know Bossy has the most 50 goals, but uh, I believe Gardner has the record for the most consistent 30 goals, but disappears in the playoffs. Ilya Kovalchuk, uh, a guy who at least scored an empty net against the Kings in the 2012 Stanley Cup Final, his biggest series that he ever had to play, and I do not count the, the KHL championship, whatever that cup is called, but some guys just <laughs> disappear. They can't handle the pressure. They can't handle the tighter checking, people finishing their checks, people you know, covering them, and of course coaches can build strategies when they know what team that they're playing against in a best-of-seven series, where the regular season you have a day or two to prepare, if that you know, for the team you're about to play, that Rick Nash shuts down. So I thought it was a very bad pickup by Boston. I thought they gave up too much for Rick Nash, especially at Nat, uh, Nash's age right now. It was a big risk. And Boston lost Patrice Bergeron to a knee injury. Is that correct, guys? He'll be back some probably in a couple, two to four weeks. He'll be back for the playoffs. Okay. So temporary, temporary loss. So that's not bad then. So they'll get Bergeron back for the playoffs. They're still contenders. I would love to see Rick Nash light people up in the playoffs, prove me wrong. I don't mind being proved wrong, but just looking at his history, his playoff history, and this includes internationally, he is not a primetime player. He is not a clutch player. He's not a consistent player in the playoffs. So Boston is the one where I give a big thumbs down. And a big thumbs down, I heard you guys talking about Montreal. Big thumbs down to Montreal. People are losing their minds over here. The Montreal Canadian fans, the Montreal Canadiens media, they are ready to lynch GM Mark Bergevin. They did, he did dump uh, Thomas Plukanic to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've actually been trying to get rid of Plukanic, uh, Plukanic sorry, for the last couple of years. But, you know, as, as Chris and, and you, Mark, mentioned, Gally Galchenyuk, he did not get moved. Max Petrietti did not get moved. Uh, the, the team, yeah, they got some, you know, they got some stuff, you know, in, in return that, you know, draft picks or prospects, whatever the case may be, but they are not contenders. Shea Weber shut down for the rest of the season. Uh, Kerry Price hurt again, this time with a concussion. Montreal right now is a dumpster fire. They get the biggest thumbs down for doing absolutely nothing, and the Rangers also get a thumbs up because they were able to trade away assets and get things back, which uh, you know might help them in the future. So there you go. Well, hey, J.D., we're going to have to run. We're running out of time here, by the way. That's the Gregarian Cup for the KHL Championship, just for future reference there, sir. Um, thank you for coming uh, giving, give, giving us your perspective. Always always unique and always right on point. Um, tell everybody where they can find the stuff. I want to, I'm want. i looking forward to the article you're going to drop this week, hopefully. Um, let everybody know where to find you, sir. Yeah, well, you, you guys can find uh, can find me on Twitter at JD Styles underscore J D S T Y L Z underscore. Don't forget the underscore, extremely important. Uh, you can find my work CaliSportsNews.com or at CaliSportsNews on Twitter. 
Also on my Facebook page with my name, Jeff Duarte. You can find all my stuff there. Look out, guys, for my top 10 LA Kings defensemen of all time. It is a work in progress, though. And you can find me on LA Kings Road Talk Radio, where normally I co-host. Sometimes I host. Of course, Mark Krisky has both been on the show. Mark very recently, too. Um, and you can find us on Block Talk Radio. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher, at Kings Road Talk on Twitter. LA Kings Road Talk Radio. Everyone, check it out. All righty, sir. Thank you once again for taking some time out of your Saturday to join us. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure, and we will talk to you soon down the road. All right, Mark, Chris, thank you so much. Always an honor. You guys know I love being on this show, and I'll see you when I see you. Go Kings, go. Thanks, Steve. All right. Well, once again, Jeff comes in, knocks it out of the park. Uh, I agree with most everything he said. I don't, uh, I don't have a problem with any of it. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I like the fact, and again, I have nothing against the Calgary Flames, but I like the fact that he had the Flames missing the playoffs. So um, this year I have something. That's to get good for you. So <laughs> yeah, that would be a, it's, it's not a lot to hold on to, uh, uh, kind of thing. So uh, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have to touch base during the week to see what would be a good guest to have on, what team, and so forth. So. Uh, We'll have to see what we can uh, what we can do. You know, what'd be good is that I'm spitballing here. Is maybe try, if, try to get someone from uh, who covers the Panthers. That might be a good uh, good person to get. Or we could, uh, you know, let's stay in Florida and, and pick someone out of Tampa Bay. Uh, go over that big deal that they did. Get their perspective yeah, on that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a that's a possibility too. We'll throw it around. We'll have somebody good next week. We always do. We always pull something out of your hat that knocks it out of the park. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. We put the trade deadline to rest and, and look at the last 17, 18 games during the NHL regular season. Uh, and then it's playoff time. That's what, uh, that's what we're all waiting for now. The dog days of January and February are past. And, um, we're down the stretch now. It's uh, it's go time, and a lot of teams loaded up. People, you know, we've identified the players, and now we just got to get down the stretch, find out what the positions are, and and rock and roll. It's playoff time, buddy. Absolutely. Well, all right, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, tune in next week, 11 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, we're gonna have we're gonna have a good show. We'll we'll get something lined up for you guys definitely. So that'll do it for this week. For Chris on Mark, it's on.